0: lord brought a passage of scripture to me tonight that i wanted to just encourage you with because you know what i talk about this quite often and somehow somewhere some way a big lie has crept into the church church's people and that we think that if i'm walking with god if i'm saved and walking with god and putting forth my best effort and doing things the way I should that I won't have problems and pressures. That's contrary to the word of God. The word says that while you're in this world you will have tribulations. But he doesn't leave it there but he says be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. It's the, it's the fight of faith that test us <clears throat> excuse me. It's the putting forth the effort to win that produces victories. Bear Bryant said the will to win is not enough. No one wants to lose. The differences in the winners and the losers are those that are willing to prepare. To win. Brothers and sisters. If you're going to live an overcoming life for Christ. You don't wait until the heat of the battle. To try to check your equipment. Your armor. You need to have prepared before battle. You need to know your weapons. For the weapons of our warfare are what? Not carnal but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds we need to be familiar with our weapons many of you in this place along with myself in in boot camp you tore down those whether it was an M1, M16 or whatever you shot you you tore that thing down so many times you could do it in the dark and put it back together and the same thing in our spiritual walk if we've ingested and downloaded the word of god and we've rehearsed and i don't mean in a pretentious way but i mean in a perpetual ongoing way of of applying this word to my life and i have armed myself with the word and i'm covered with the blood and i'm filled with his spirit then the devil he's no match but i have to fight a fight I can't stand by and throw any would well, not throw any punches and win, except in the occasion where God tells you stand still, and that's in our text tonight. If you have your Bibles, would you turn to Second Chronicles chapter twenty? Second Chronicles chapter twenty Now in in chapter 19, uh, Jehoshaphat was a very godly king. He reigned for 25 years. He brought repentance to the nation. They had backslidden and turned from God. And he, he brought repentance to the nation and had them back right focused, right spirited, right motived as far as serving God. And if you, uh, he's the one that set up the judges and the circuit riders, so to speak, of that time, that went throughout the land teaching the law, teaching to the people the commands of God, and trying to represent to them the ways of God and the principles of God. And we'll pick up in chapter 20. It's a lengthy passage. Stay with me, please. Some of you may want to pay for me to get hooked on phonics after this, but. Uh... <laughs> It happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria. And they are in Hazan-Tamar, which is in Jedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and he set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord and from all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. And then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah in Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. And he said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven and do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? And they dwell in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, whether sword or judgment, pestilence or famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence, for your name is in the temple. And cry out to you in our affliction and you will hear and save. And now here are the people of Ammon, the Moab and Mount Seir whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt. But they turned from them and did not destroy them. Here they are rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession which you have given us to inherit. O oh, our God will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us. Nor do we know what to do. But our eyes are upon you. Now all Judah with their little ones, their wives and their children stood before the Lord. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zachariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah. A Levite of the sons of Asphath in the midst of the assembly. And he said, Listen, all of you Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you King Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord to you, Do not be afraid, nor dismayed, because of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz. And you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeriel. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them for the Lord is with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites of the children of the and the children of the Korahites stood up in the praise of the Lord God of Israel with their voices loud and high. So they rose early in the morning and went out to the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and he said, Hear me, O Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established. Believe his prophets and you shall prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of his holiness as they went out before the army and were saying, Praise the Lord, for his mercies endureth forever. Now, when they began to sing and to praise the Lord, set, the Lord set ambushments against the people of Ammon, Moab and Mount Seir who had come against Judah and they were defeated. For the people of Ammon Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utterly kill and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. So that Judah came to the place overlooking the wilderness. They looked toward the multitude and there were their dead bodies fallen on the earth. No one had escaped. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away their spoil, they found among them an abundance of valuables on the dead bodies and precious jewelries which they stripped off of them, which they stripped off of themselves, more than they could carry away. And they were lifted there for three days gathering the spoil because there was so much. I want to talk to you for just a few moments tonight about what to do when you don't know. What to do. I've been there so many times. I got a PhD in this. What to do when you don't know what to do. You find yourself, you don't know whether to wind or scratch. What do I do? This big army, seemingly. The forces of hell, seemingly. This opposition that stands before me. Insurmountable, seemingly. And many of you have learned that the devil always tries to make your opposition look bigger than it is. I promise you nothing that he puts in front of us is bigger than the God that we serve. And we've got to remember that. God has not called us to be mountain climbers. He's called us to be mountain movers. He's called us to speak to mountains. To speak to the enemy. I was sharing with a young lady just a while ago how nowhere in God's word have I found... The words beg God. He talks about asking God. He talks about us just asking Him. Then He talks about us using His name. That's above every name. He talks to us to take the authority given to us. Do you not remember that over in Genesis when He made man, He gave us the power over all things. Creeping, crawling, flying, Whatever. And we lost that dominion in the garden. But we got it back at the cross. A few of us, percentage wise, have learned to walk in the authority that God has given us because the devil keeps us so suppressed and depressed by his camouflage and smoke screens that he keeps our attention focused wrongly on him and what's going on around us instead of keeping our focus on God I said once before and I believe this I disagree with most people and it's okay if you want to disagree with me about this people say fear is opposite of faith you know fear is not faith it's the opposite of faith I disagree with that I believe fear is faith but it's faith in the wrong thing it's faith in the negative it's faith in that you're going to lose it's faith it's confidence and trust that you can't do it when God's Word says that faith in God can move a mighty mountain. If I can get to the place that I recognize the truth of the matter is that if I trust the Lord with all my heart and lean not into my own understanding but in all of my ways look to Him, He'll direct my path. I can't whip anybody in and on of myself spiritually speaking I'm talking about. Probably could whip very few physically anymore. I'm old. <laughs> but I promise you in the spirit realm We're mighty through God, through the pulling down of strongholds. So let's talk for just a minute tonight. The answers to this are in our passage of what to do when you don't know what to do. Number one is in verse 3. Jehoshaphat set himself to seek the Lord. When opposition arises in your life, whether it's financial, relational, physical, fill in the blank. The first thing you need to do is seek the Lord. Find out what His thought process is about it. Find out what His Word says about it. You remember when there was a... In fact, I think it's just a few chapters over. Uh, there was a great drought going on in the land. And, and uh, the prophets uh, were standing before them. And there was those lepers outside the gates of the city and how the prophet said tomorrow about this time you'll be able to buy and sell barley for a shekel and the king's right hand man says if God were to open the windows of heaven how can this be don't miss this the prophet said you'll see it but you won't eat of it that's important Because if we're going to eat of the fruit of God's word, we've got to believe it. We've got to trust it. His word will accomplish what he has sent it to do. He watches over his word to perform it. It's not just ink on paper. It's not just a religious exercise. The word of God says, I am not ashamed of the gospel for it's the power of, of God, unto salvation, not only to save us from our sins but to save us from our circumstances and situations, to oftentimes save us from ourselves. What did it? The gospel, the good news, his word. We are so malnourished in the Church of God today because that we have a deficiency of God's word in our lives. I want you to understand. God places great value on this Word more than anything else. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my Word will endure forever. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14, and the Word became flesh. Who became flesh? Jesus And dwelt among men. He came into his own. His own received him not. They thought, oh, he's just Joseph and Mary's son. Oh, he's just a good teacher. Oh, he's a prophet. No, he's the Messiah. He's the Christ. He's the Anointed One. He's the one that has come to set at liberty those that are bound. He is the one that has come. That his blood is pristine and pure. That's worthy to save man from their sins. His Word. This is Him in ink. You want to know Him? Get in His Word. You'll see how He thinks. You'll understand His purposes. You'll understand His personality. You'll understand what He wants you to do. Get in it. Read it. And when you don't think that you're understanding anything, keep reading it. I'm going to promise you this. This happened to me. I I went through that. I'm not getting anything out of this. And then one day I realized. Where the word said take no thought what you shall say. For in the very hour you have need. The Holy Spirit will quicken unto you. What you should say. You'll find yourselves in those moments, whether it may be you combating the devil, or whether it may be you giving a word of encouragement to a friend, or praying over a sick loved one, whatever the circumstance or situation is, you'll find that the Holy Spirit will quicken unto you. The anointing will come upon you. You'll be able to say things that will pierce the hearts of the hearer, that will give them hope. Where they've about lost hope because the anointing of God is what makes the difference. And He has anointed His word to accomplish. That's why the devil tries so hard to keep you from reading it. Now, don't raise your hand, but I ask you a simple question How much of the daily bread do you eat? How much fuel do you put in your spiritual tank? How much ammunition do you put in your spiritual gun to do combat with? I can't overemphasize the Word. Sure got quiet. Seek the Lord. Find out what His will is. Go to His Word. While on that subject... Throw me a time up there, way so I'll know when to shut up. While, while, uh, while on that subject, it's why the scripture says, "Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly." Why? Because when you go to ungodly people, you get ungodly advice, you get ungodly counsel, and seldom. Is it what God would want for you to do in that circumstance? But if you'll go to someone that you know to be walking the walk and not just talking the talk, that genuinely loves God and loves a fellow man and is willing to help, and you'll get godly counsel. Now listen, let me tell you how you... One of the ways you know when you're getting godly counsel is you're not getting opinion. When they start off by saying, well, in my opinion, I don't ask for your opinion. I want to know what God's word says. I can get anybody's opinion. And seldom will it be the answer that I need to hear. But I promise you, God's word may, may not be what you want to hear, but it's what you need to hear. Because it, in, therein is the key. Secondly, verse 4 they ask for help from God. Once you go to the Lord and you find out what He's got to say about the situation, then just say, okay, but I need you to help me with this. I'll give you a classic example. I think I shared this story many years ago. One time I went in on a business deal with some folks and bought some cows. Actually, some roping steers. And... uh i was on the note at the bank turned out i was the only one that ever paid anything on that note A couple of them died there went our profit we wasn't worried about profit on rope and steers was hoping just to get out of the trap and break even you know what i'm saying and i gotta be honest with you i got real bitter over that deal I got past bitter. I had unforgiveness in my heart. And God began to work on me about that. And I went over to one of them's house and knocked on the door. And When he opened it, he thought he'd seen a ghost, I guess. And I just says, look, I'm here to ask you to forgive me. Heart, one of the hardest things I ever did. He said, forgive you. For what? And then I let a little flesh come out. I said, because I've had murder in my heart. But I'm past it. This is like five years later. I said, and I'm here to ask you for your forgiveness. For being, having unforgiveness towards you. Now, that may not be your story. you got your own stories. But that was one of those situations where it took me five years to pay that note off at the bank every 90 days. I'd pay what I could, the interest and what I could. And five years later, I got that note paid off. But it was one of the greatest lessons that I ever learned. No, it wasn't the lesson of don't go in on cows with somebody else. It was the lesson of... Seeing how easily unforgiveness and bitterness can creep in if I'll just let it. You don't have to give it much room. It'll kick the door down. Come on in. So once you found out what God's wishes are in your situation and then you ask him for help. Sometimes you Lord, you're going to have to help me forgive. And while I'm on that subject, let me say this. Forgiveness doesn't mean you weren't done wrong. It doesn't mean you won't ever, ever think about it again. It doesn't mean that uh, uh, you didn't have a reason to be mad or upset. It doesn't mean any of that. What it means is just like when Jesus forgives us of our sins at salvation. Basically, we're saying when I forgive you, I'm not going to hold that sin against you anymore. I'm not going to hold that offense that's against you anymore. I may think about it. But God is going to help me get free from that burden, free from that cancer that's eating me up. So, ask for help from the Lord. Thirdly, verses 6 through 9, we have to remind ourselves of who God is and His power. You see there in verses 6 through 9, it says, In your hand is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? Are you not our God? Verse 9, you will hear and save. We have to remind ourselves that He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'll be with you in the middle of every circumstance, situation that you have. I am your victor. I will not only bring you through, I'll bring you out, and I'll have a testimony on your lips from the test that you went through. But you've got to stay faithful. You've got to stay hooked. You've got to stay focused. Fourthly, verse 14, you've got to know that the Spirit of the Lord will come. See, in verse 14, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel. I want you to understand, if you'll stay committed to God, stay focused to God, that when you are weak, then are you made strong by Him. Then are you made strong in Him. Number five, verse 17. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You will not need to fight in this battle. Do not fear, nor be dismayed. There are times that we have to fight. There are times we stand still and watch the salvation of God. That's why it's important that we develop a hearing ear to hear what the Spirit of God would say. There's a time to stand still and there's a time to go forward. There's a time to conquer and to subdue. Don't be afraid. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When your enemies come at you one way, they'll scatter seven. That's God's word. Somebody say amen. Made me feel like Jeb Bush a few years ago. Somebody, please clap. (laughs) Don't be afraid. Number six, verse 18 don't stop worshiping the Lord. There's so many examples of this in the Bible. In the middle of chaos, turmoil, trouble. You remember Paul and Silas in the prison? They'd been beaten and cast into the inner prison. At midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. That sounds a whole lot different than the way most of us would handle that. The guys were talking in the office before church about Brady, Texas. And I just kind of shivered all over. I went to jail in Brady, Texas one time. (laughs) Not good memories. And unlike Paul and Silas, I didn't pray and sing praises unto God. I was saying, I want my mama. (laughs) No. (laughs) No. But when they prayed in the same praises, the shackles fell off, the doors came open, and they walked out of that prison. And I want you to understand something. I learned this from my Aunt Montez. She said, until you can learn to sing praises unto God in your midnight hour, you'll never walk free. Chew on that. You've got to learn to pray and sing praises unto God in your midnight hour, which represents the darkest of times, so that you can walk out. And walk free of God. Don't stop worshiping the Lord. Number 7, verse 20. We've got to exercise faith. Faith is is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. Again, my Aunt Montez taught me this. I've learned a lot from her. Faith is a bucket of hope. Lowered into a well of abundance. Now, how big a rope, a bucket are you sending down there on that rope? Are you sending a dipper? A gallon bucket? A five gallon bucket? What do you believe in God for? You want me to tell you something? You start off with that dipper. But if you want to move to that gallon bucket, into that five gallon bucket, it only comes where we started out with the word. Faith comes by hearing the Word. You can desire more faith. You can pray for more faith. You can ask for more faith. More faith will not come without the Word of God being applied to your life. Save your breath. Quit beating the air. Run with purpose. I've hid thy Word in my heart that I might not sin against thee, O God. Have you? Have you... Put the word of God in you so that it can come out of you in your moment of need. For you see, it's out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. When that giant pops up in front of you, what comes out? What do you say to that giant? You want to know what's in your heart? Listen to what comes out of your mouth. Never stop singing and praising and thanking God for the victory. And we see in verse 25 where the victory came. Remember, for three days they picked up spoils and the riches of what God had. Would you bow your heads?